I am so grateful that Jen was in the medical field. Her years of training and experience mean that she is comfortable in hospitals and in doctor's appointments, and we have a lot of them. This gives most people serious anxiety, especially when the doctor has something hard to tell us. So one time when we were at a doctor's appointment, we could literally feel the anxiety coming from the room next to us. There was an older lady in the room next to us, and I know she was older because she was also hard of hearing. And you could hear most of what the doctor was repeating over and over again, very loudly, and the whole hall could hear it. And she was there with our daughter, and she clearly did not want to take her doctor's advice. She was convinced that she knew better. The doctor repeated her advice over and over again. Finally, in loud exasperation, the doctor said, ma'am, ma'am, stop reading the internet. Jen and I held our sides as we tried not to laugh too hard so that they might not hear us. And it's those silent laughter that is the best laughter. You know, this is true for all of us. Sometimes we choose to trust our own five-minute Google search rather than trust a doctor with years of experience simply because we don't want to face the truth. Sometimes we get news that we don't want to hear, and so we look for alternative facts and alternative solutions. Sometimes we're tempted to believe a lie over the truth. Things like, my marriage is fine. It's okay. I'll put it on my credit card. Or things like the time when I was in middle school and we didn't study for the test and we, we simply bury our head in the sand because we are petrified to see the results. Well, maybe that was just me. I don't know. Or it's avoiding that hard, painful conversation, believing that things will magically get better on their own, all because I'm afraid of the consequences of the truth. We've all been there, haven't we? Maybe it's my friend who's been dropping hints, trying to tell me something that I don't want to hear. Or maybe it's the fear of asking your partner, where were you? Why are you late? And who were you with? Sometimes we're afraid of the truth. Scripture says, the truth will set you free in John 8, 32. Author David Foster Wallace kind of tweaked that a little bit when he said, the truth will set you free but not until it is finished with you. You know, the truth can be hard. And so we, we throw out the mirror. We ditch the scales. We avoid the performance evaluation. And there's this weird experience where we prefer a nice lie rather than facing the brutal facts. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What it's saying is that, that you can't trust fake compliments and we should trust our friends to tell us the truth. And we always have to be aware of our own confirmation bias because scripture reminds us in 2 Timothy 4, 3, this is from the New Living Translation, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will teach them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And so we have to be willing to ask hard questions. Oftentimes in life, we end up with more questions than we have answers. Questions like, is it true? Can it be trusted? Is it a fact? 
Is it reality? And, and what about faith? Is faith real? Is the Bible true? Can it be trusted? And can I trust God? That is our ultimate question. And what if it was possible to know? You see, we all need truth. Things that we can build our life on. I need that. You need that. We all need something that will help us to see reality as it is. Too often, life is like a funhouse mirror. And we, we live with distorted views of ourselves and distorted views of others and of our world. And sometimes, I have to confess, I even prefer them. Because true mirrors can be painful things. We can't handle the truth. But sometimes, and irregardless, we need honest feedback. We need people who will tell us the truth. We need clarity from our doctors. We need to know the real expectations at work. And we can't afford to live in denial because eventually it will cost us far more than we are willing to lose. And so the question is, what if there was a way of living that could change all of that? A way that led us to truth and not just any truth, but a truth that will lead us to life. This morning, I invite you to open your Bibles and to follow along with me in John chapter 14 as we continue our series on the saying of Jesus. And we pick up in, the, in verse 1 in John chapter 14. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so... I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about the way of Jesus and that we are called to be a people of the way who follow Jesus in life. Today, we're going to take a look at the second part of this phrase. You see, Jesus invites us to truth. But more than that, not just to truth, Jesus is saying, I am the truth. This is one of the I am sayings of Christ in the Gospel of John where Jesus is giving us a glimpse into who Jesus is. And he is saying, I am the truth. And so what does it mean to us? What is truth? Well, truth in Latin is veritas. Maybe you've seen that or some people have it tattooed or you see it on a school plaque, veritas academy. But veritas and truth, it means conforming to fact or revealing reality. And truth is something that we all need. It's something that we want. And so this morning, I want us to see three things that truth is. And the first is this, that truth is a foundation. Truth is facts, and it's, it's something that we can, they're building blocks for how we think. It's, it's a way for us to know what is right and what is wrong. And it's for us to know what can be trusted. 
Scripture talks about Jesus as truth when it uses building terms in Psalm 118.22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone is a building term in which the first stone that is carefully laid is the cornerstone. And the rest of the entire building is measured against that cornerstone. And everything goes back to that cornerstone. Everything is measured against that. In the same way, that's what truth does. It becomes the way in which we measure everything else to know whether it is true. And so truth helps us to reveal what is around us for what is true and what is not. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it goes on to say, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is truth, and, and his life as revealed in Scripture is worth building on. It is firm and strong and secure. But there's so much more to truth. First, truth is a foundation. But second, truth is also illumination. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Truth helps us to see life more clearly. Truth not only reveals what is real, truth is reality. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy things out there that, that aren't true, but, but when we know the truth, it allows us to know that this is real, it is true, and it is strong. And it brings things to the surface that were hidden. Like in a room or, or in, in a courtroom or, or in fighting for justice, the goal is to find and to reveal truth. And it's more than just finding who is right and wrong, but allowing us to see things for as they are. Jesus is that truth. And scripture is our way of seeing him. So when we are stuck in confusion and in darkness and there's a cloud all about us and we don't know which way to turn, Scripture gives us the light to our life. And the truth shines in the darkness and it reveals which way we can go. And we can take Jesus at his word when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is something that is firm and secure. And, and, but, but why did Jesus say that right here in John chapter 14? Why did he say that? We know that it's firm and true and secure, but there's something more going on here that Jesus wants us to see. Why does he say it to his disciples? To understand that, we need to look at the context. You see, I began reading from the beginning of John chapter 14. So let's go back to John chapter 13. And we see just before this, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. And he's washing their feet and they're having the last supper. And at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus predicts his own death. You see, Jesus is preparing them for the hard times ahead. He is speaking facts and truth, and he is shaping reality because he knows that the situation that they are in, even better than they do, and he knows what is coming. And it's in this context that he starts off with John chapter 14 and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why? Because the third thing I want us to see is that truth is an anchor. 
Jesus is anchoring him, the disciples to something bigger. You see, Jesus wants him, them to know that he is more than just another rabbi. And he's more than just a good moral teacher. And we hear that phrase in our world today that, oh, Jesus was a good moral person or he's a good teacher. But Jesus is saying, no, I am more than that. Over and over again, Jesus is driving home the fact that he is God. And he wants his disciples to know that. All throughout the chapter, uh, John chapter 14, the Apostle Paul in his writings uses the word Father 23 times. You see, in Greek writing in that time, they didn't have punctuation. They didn't have periods, commas, and exclamation points. And the way to get your attention was to repeat something over and over again. And so by using the word Father 23 times, Jesus is saying, I am divine. I and the Father are one. And when you see me, you see the Father. We are one. There is no separation. I am God. And this capital T truth is something that he needed his disciples to hold on to in the tough times because he knew that the tough times were coming. So how should we respond to all of this? You see, for a ship at sea, when the storms come, that's when you need your anchor. Sometimes the waves and the wind threaten to tear a ship apart and to dash it upon the rocks. And it is the anchor of truth that holds the ship firm. Jesus knew this. And he, knew, and he wanted his disciples to know the truth and to allow it to be their source of peace. When we are anchored, we are secure, steadfast, and strong. And we respond to the storms of life differently when we are anchored. The more we are anchored, the more we can extend grace. And when you know the truth, you are less likely to argue about it. You know, I've never seen a person argue about gravity. I've never seen a person argue about if the sun will come up tomorrow. The same is true with our faith. The more we are anchored, the more we don't have to apologize for our faith. Amen? We can stand firm on solid ground. Anchored faith is called to be a witness to what we have seen and heard. Anchored faith is honest about who we are. Anchored faith is honest about our faults because the truth is, it's not about who I am, but about who God is and what he has done for me and for you and for us and how this truth has transformed my life. Anchored faith is not about trying to force anything on anyone else. Rather, we are simply trying to help others discover the truth for themselves. So many times I've heard Pastor Mike um, say things like, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And I love that posture. That's what truth does. Truth is not about trying to manipulate somebody else or get something from them. Truth is about wanting something for that other person to see the world as it truly is. Contrast that to a non-anchored life. A non-anchored life is tossed to and fro, and, is, and it leads to insecurity. 
It leads to fights where we need to feel defensive. It leads us to personal attacks. And in philosophy, we call that an ad hominem argument, where we're attacking a person's character or their motives rather than their position or their argument. It's appealing to emotions rather than to logic or reason. But I want to remind us that personal attacks are never appropriate for Christians. One of the things that hurts my heart as a pastor is that sometimes the more I hear certain Christians talk about truth, the more often I find those same Christians fighting and turning into personal attacks. And I have to admit that I'm guilty of this too. There are times, there were times in seminary where I, I read books and I sat in lectures that dug deep into theology and the end result was a class of students getting into heated theological arguments. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek truth, but truth should lead us to Jesus. Truth should lead us to be more like Him and we should be more anchored and more secure. Please hear me loud and clear. The truth is built on facts that function as a foundation for our faith. However, more often than not, in my life, I have found that truth functions less like a courtroom with a judge and a jury and more like a flashlight. You see, a flashlights aren't worried about the dark. Instead, they're focused on being who they are, shining their light for all to see. And with confidence, they reveal the truth that is all around them. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. The more anchored we are in God and the more anchored we are to His truth, the less we should be threatened by others and the more we should be freed to respond in love and in truth. How do I know this? Because this is exactly what Jesus did at the Last Supper that we see in John chapter 13. Jesus knew the truth. He knew the truth about Himself. He knew the truth about the situation that they were all in. And He knew the truth about Judas and Peter's coming denial. But he also knew the truth about God and that God was in control and that he was secure enough in that truth to get down on his knees and to wash his betrayer's feet. That kind of truth humbles me. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else here. I, I'm, instead, I'm looking at Christ and I'm saying, I have so much room to grow. I want to be like that. I want to become more and more like Him, more firm on the foundation of His Word, more illuminated by the light of the gospel, and more anchored in Him. I want my life to be so anchored in the truth that it allows me to know and to stand on my convictions, to stand on them and to still be gracious and loving towards those that I disagree with and those who might try to harm me. Brothers and sisters, this is our calling. We are called to build our life on Jesus and His way and His truth, for that is the way to life. What if we all did this? What if we became known as a people of who not just are, are firm and secure on the truth, but just as we are firm and secure on the truth, we are also firm and secure 
and responding in love and grace? What if we decided that the surest way to find truth was to spend time in God's word and to seek to know him? What if we asked the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us and to illuminate our path? What if we asked God to anchor our lives in the midst of the storms that we are facing? Think about how that would change my life, your life, and the journey and in the insecurity that we're currently facing. I know that I'm still a work in progress. And one of the ways I've just been thinking over the last week as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about how this looks in my own life and the struggles that I still face. Many of you know that Jen and I had a foster son that we call Shelly. And that we thought that we would adopt him. We had him from birth until he was almost three years old. And one of the things that we were committed to was to pray over him and to teach him and, and, and to help him to be a true worshiper who wholeheartedly followed God, even at a young age. And we would often turn on the TV and play worship music in our house. And one of his favorite songs was a Hillsong's uh, United song called Build My Life. And one of the phrases was, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. We wanted him to know that. We wanted to lay a foundation in his life that was something bigger, something true, and something strong. So that just like the disciples, whenever the anchors or whenever the hard times came, they could be anchored in the truth regardless of the storms all around us. Little did we know that we, when we were teaching him that, we were reminding ourselves of that truth as well. Because regardless of what was ahead, and there were tough times ahead as we went through that process of losing him, we needed that anchor. We needed that truth. And so did he. My friends, maybe you need that truth today. Maybe you need that truth in your life right here and right now. You need that anchor that can hold you in the midst of whatever it is that you are facing. And maybe there's something that you're facing in your life that, that you want to be tempted to turn away from. I know in recovery, I often remind people that the whole reason that there is a God step at the very beginning is so that we would have the courage to face the truth about our lives, our relationships, and the situations that we find ourselves in that we would not be able to face alone. Jesus reminds us that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that in meeting him, we will find that he is doing for us that which we could never do for ourselves. That's what it means to be anchored in him. And I don't know what it is that you're facing today, but I want to tell you that there is a firm foundation that is steadfast and strong and that God sees you in the midst of the storm, that you are not alone and you can anchor yourself in this, that knowing that God's word is strong and that it is true and that he loves you and that he sees you and he wants to call you into his truth, that he wants to illuminate the path before you because he cares for you. And just as we went through that broken time with losing our foster son, God was there. Even when we didn't feel it, 
even when we didn't know it, we could turn back to that truth that was our anchor. And it's my prayer today that you would know that truth in your life, that you would experience it as real and strong and steadfast and secure. I'm reminded of a hymn that we used to sing in the church that I grew up in. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. May that be our truth today. May you know that you are firm and secure, steadfast in the Savior's love, that God is for you today, that he loves you and that he sees you and he wants to walk with you. If you would just open his word and allow him to encounter you, he is more than just a good person. He is more than just a rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago. He is God. Truth, a firm foundation, a light and an anchor for your soul. So as we close today, I want to pray this prayer over each and every one of us. And I invite you, wherever you are, just to open your hands and just to invite God to come and to meet with you and us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for sending your son to show us the way, the truth, and the life. Today, may you fill us with your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, and would you anchor our lives in you. God, would we learn to build our life on your word and your truth, and would we walk in humility, grace, and truth. And God, would we know that you see us, that you love us, and would you fill us afresh with confidence, with your love, that we, not in our own strength, but in your grace, God, that we are surrounded by you today. God, help us to know that you are the God of the I am and that you are with us. God, we surrender our lives, our will, our way to you. Would you come and you meet us wherever we are and whatever we're facing today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope and believe that God's word is alive and real and I hope that it met you today. I invite you to come back and to join us next week as Pastor Mike continues this series and he looks at Jesus as the life and the way to life. I hope you have a blessed and beautiful week anchored firm and true in God's love today. May you go in peace, amen.